to Between Seven Mountains. My guest today is Celia Maria Wallister, a Norwegian entrepreneur who is a true innovator in the business world and has since age 14 started a number of companies such as Bipper Communication, which at one point launched the world's most used security app, BeSafe. Celia has extensive experience in helping to build a better future for the world's youth by co-founding incredible international organizations such as Future Talks and the International Youth Organization. She's won several awards and distinctions, such as being named Young Global Leader by the World Economic Forum, Female Entrepreneur of the Year by the Ministry of Trade and Industry, and was in 2017 appointed by the World Economic Forum as an expert in innovation and entrepreneurship, and is currently a member of the Forum's Expert Council. Today, she works as an investor, professional speaker, and advises top managers in startups, corporations, and authorities, both nationally and internationally. So, let's get to know her a little better. Please welcome Celia. Thank you hey. so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Even though it's a bit of an unusual week <laughs> in an unusual time. Yes, it is. It yeah. is. The COVID-19 situation is taking a toll on, on us, on the whole world. But it I has. think we're extremely, extremely lucky to be based in Norway right now. Yes, we certainly are. We certainly are. Um, I, I want to start with um, your work with your um, international youth uh, organizations and, and the, world mm. that you've, the work that you've done around the world. Um, mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about how that came about? Oh, I was uh, I was very young when I started. Um, I heard you were fourteen. <laughs> I was I was fourteen when I founded my first initiatives and, and uh, projects. Um, and I was living in a small town in in Norway. Um, I've always had a big passion for you know changing things and for creating impact and for for bringing about change. I've always been passionate about. You know everything which is a bit of an issue because you can't do everything at once uh, so uh, when you're passionate about everything the best way to solve that is by by you know creating platforms to bring forward the right people and, and bring forward the different perspectives yes. different initiatives um, bring people together who otherwise wouldn't meet create spaces where people who um, would normally not be listened to, mm -hmm. can get a voice and can get access. Yes. So I was, as you said, 14 and and uh, I was given access at that point um, to create media, working in a radio station, working in a, in a newspaper. So I was in, in a space where I could create the news, which mm -hmm. was uh, something that, that really taught me the importance of getting the spotlight on issues. If you're just working privately or you're doing your stuff but no one knows you're not going to get the access you're not going to get the attention you're not going to get the support um and on the other hand i was as i said very involved in a lot of stuff i mean back then it was locally uh, or regionally nationally mm -hmm. uh, so one of the things that i was part of uh, then was um, starting the first youth council okay in in norway um wow. so it wasn't party political it was uh it was more engaged young people from all over the county uh that would come together and debate and, and work on issues that were close to what the young people needed mm -hmm. and giving them access to those who could actually make the decision so it's all about you know creating this platform where mm -hmm. people meet and where people get a voice it absolutely has and, and this journey has taken you all over the world and on stages <laughs> small and large. I, I even heard that you debated Hillary Clinton <laughs> on matters like this. Is that true? Yes, yes, yeah. it is. That was um, that was back in 1998. I was okay. 20 years old, I think, at the time. Wow. Uh, and in the uh, 
castle in Prague. So I was uh, I was working with uh, President Havel in the Czech Republic and his Form 2000 initiative. Okay. Um, and and it wasn't just Hillary Clinton. It was many many of the global leaders uh, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and and before then, so we have a time period between fourteen and, and twenty, yeah. where where my perspective go from you know working locally to gradually working more and more internationally. And while I was in, in boarding school, I I studied at something called the United World College in okay. in Wales. It's a high school uh, system around the world that brings together teenagers from all over the world um, um, under the, how to put a mission, how can there be peace if people don't understand each other and how can they understand each other if they don't know each other. Right. So at this school, me and uh, one of my classmates um, figured out that, you know, we want to take the vision of this school further we want to bring it out to the world and 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 this was very much initiated as well by by uh, um the founder of the body shop anita roddick who who encouraged us to to do this we started an an organization called world voices okay when we were in school and had this massive idea that you know we're gonna uh we're gonna get the world's young people together from all over the world and you know create understanding between them and 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 facilitate what what we're going through and learning in the school uh, but we also want to bring in the world leaders and create dialogue between the young and the older because the youth need to be part of creating their own future. Yeah. Um, and and we, you know, <laughs> being young and naive, but also in my case, having experienced in my small town that I could make my dreams a reality. I could move from vision to something that that, you know, was out there. Um, made us believe that we could do this. So we, I, how to put it? I, I think that out of naivety, you can move mountains. If you Absolutely. truly believe that you can do it, if you truly believe that you can create this, you know, we, uh, we proved that it was possible. We booked Queen Elizabeth Hall in London for two days, being teenagers. We brought together young people from all over the world, writing a book together. We had the support and engagement from most of the Peace Prize laureates, big business leaders, royalty from around the world. So, so it was a um, it was an amazing project. Uh, it was an crucial, I think, experience for me in in my life to to see that I could I could actually do these large scale projects, and that if you just ask, you know, it's never going to happen if you if you don't ask. Absolutely. That's true. No one believed that we would get, you know, the Dalai Lama involved. No one believed that we would have Hillary Clinton with us or, or be able to be in or create a network where we had these people um, supporting us. If I may, you mentioned mm-hmm. the Dalai Lama. Yeah. Um, I have to ask, <laughs> what was that like? Oh, my God. I've, I've met him several times. Really? Uh, yeah. Wow. The first time was... Um, when he was supporting World Voices, the, the youth organization. Okay. And uh, we actually traveled to, to India, uh, to his home uh, up in the Himalayas. Oh. Uh, one of the first dates I took my husband on, <laughs> to be honest. Really? <laughs> Interesting <laughs> so, first so date. I think, I think that uh, <laughs> the fact that I proved to be, I don't know, um, different. <laughs> yes, for <laughs> has, sure. Has, has kept us together. Um, no, so so we w- we went there and, and we had an hour with him, which was uh, amazing. It was you know it 
something about him. You're sitting there and you're nervous and you're, you know, we were super nervous. Of course. Uh, of course. And, yeah. and he just comes into the room and you just feel at peace. And, and you know, he was there. He was engaged. He was supportive. He, he, he really wanted to support us and, and, and was amazing in doing that. Um, the next time I met the Dalai Lama was in... in uh, in, in Prague, in the castle during a Forum 2000 event. Okay. Um, I became a mother at 22. Uh, so I was there with my three-month-old daughter. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I'd just given birth. I brought her along with me, and I was in the castle with this baby. Uh, and the Dalai Lama came, and he was carrying her around. Oh. So that was, she's blessed. <laughs> yes, yes, I think it's safe to yeah. say she is. Yeah, Yes. absolutely. Mm. Must have been an incredible incredible experience yeah no it, it was and what was also a bit strange looking back uh, hopefully and i think times have changed but Definitely. but the men at this conference you know we had the world leaders you know from from everywhere Shimon paris it was hillary clinton bill clinton you know everyone that you know the name of yeah. were there uh, at, at least at, during one of these conferences and all the men were super supportive of me having my baby with me and during this event, they would, you know, refer to her as they were speaking about the future and what needs to change. You know, we have the future with us here. Right. You know, being my daughter. Yeah. But the women were super skeptical. Really? Yeah. What was the baby doing here? You know, you should have stayed at home with your baby. Oh. Um, so, yeah. Let's, I, I don't know. But I think a lot of these women were also the wives of these men. Mm-hmm. Um. There have been more women since then, uh, you know, leading politicians, female politicians that have brought their babies with them to parliament, that have breastfed in parliament. And I think it's more normal now to see, you know, women in leadership positions or see women with babies having a career. Um, But it was definitely not something that people didn't react to either very positively or very negatively right <laughs> yes no. you know um uh, if, if we may move on yeah. to uh, technology <laughs> okay because you yes. have quite a quite a long history there <laughs> um i seem to remember hearing that you were quite ahead of your time in 2006 when you came yeah. up with a concept for a smartwatch mm-hmm. and a telephone a mobile device yeah. geared towards children yeah my question is do you think do you still think there's a place in today's world uh, for a device like a child safe phone? Yeah. With all the online yeah. dangers that happen. Yeah. I, I think it's more crucial now than, than, than ever before, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the, the times have changed. I mean, in, in 2006, uh, we didn't have the iPhone. Uh, you know, we had feature phones. It was, they had buttons. Yeah. We didn't have touch screens. You know, we, it was very, very different devices. Um, Nokia was the leading phone brand in the world. You know, yes. Nokia was was the phone you needed to be on. Yeah. Um, you didn't have the app stores. You know, it was it was a very very different world. Back then, uh, my daughter was six, and that was really what initiated this. I knew nothing about technology. I knew nothing about business either. It was all about me as a mother, seeing that you know, kids are getting phones. It would be easy in some ways if she had a phone when she's walking to and from school and you know being able to call her and all of these things and uh 
and, and I was searching for a device for kids. I couldn't find one and then had a vision about, you know, what it should be like, what features should it have, um, what type of blockages or parental control features should it have. Yeah. Um, and then in 2006, and, and I would say several years into the future, um, you know, thinking apps was not an option. It was all about devices. But thinking a, a mobile watch was very, very new at that point. I mean, like there were no mobile watches. And I would I would claim that it was really with the Apple Watch that, that we saw people starting to use mobile watches. And that's how many years ago? It's, it's, it's very recent. It, yes, yes, it definitely is. It's less than 10 years, yeah. I think, yeah. for sure. Yes. Uh, and back then, I mean, there were no mobile watches. There were no mobile devices for kids. It was normal, normal phones. Um. So the whole vision was to develop the phone for the youngest kids because they would lose the device, a, a cool a, a watch for the youngest kids and a cool device for, for the older kids. Um, and the financial crisis came and we couldn't do that. So we d- decided to focus on software instead. Okay. Not apps because, I mean, apps were not there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. So so uh, we partnered with, with uh, leading teleco operators and, and developed a, a parental control um, software to put on the SIM card. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 then the smartphones came oh. <laughs> with the apps and, and and everything. And the fact is that you ask me, is is there still a market? I've been following this market since I got involved in this market. Right with with now you have mobile watches for kids with parental controls. Yes. You have mobile phones for kids. You have different features and 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 the need is is even bigger now than before because new services and new services being used for bad are coming all the time. Um, But it's still actually not possible to really do it because the iPhone or the whole Apple system is very locked. So if you want to provide a parental control service for a children's phone on the iPhone, uh, you can't really do it because Apple doesn't allow you to control the device deep enough down. You could do it on the Android phone. And I think this whole thing with... With that you can't create a system that works on on the two major devices, yeah. um, it's not going to work. We, we definitely need that universal uh, solution. And you know your your perspective as a mother is mm-hmm. incredibly uh, interesting in in the mm-hmm. world of, of of technology because you um you had um uh, an app as you say mm-hmm. um that had these parental controls and yeah. the safety options in it. Um, you even had Jada Pinkett Smith, I think, if <laughs> yes. I remember correctly, as as yeah. a uh, um, mm-hmm. as a contributor to this. Um, mm-hmm. Could you tell us about how that collaboration happened? And how she got to? Uh... <laughs> I got a call. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it was actually it was actually how it happened because we we uh, we did two services at the same time. We had the parental control service okay. for for the kids that also had a, a safety application and an SOS button for for the kids right. in case something happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, the kids could trigger an alarm. Yeah. Um, and then we saw from, from the mothers of the kids using uh, Bipper that they would borrow their kid's phone when they were going out at night for, really? for safety measures. So if they were going jogging or, or uh, out with the girlfriends, they would bring the phone because of this SOS button. Um, wow. So when I, I got a prize of a million kroners uh, as a female entrepreneur of the year, um, for the, the children's service, but we put that money into developing an app. So this was the first app 
we made because adults had smartphones. Right. So we made Be Safe as a, a safety service for, for women. Mm-hmm. And it had a super fast growth. Super, super fast growth. Um, and um, I think the largest in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I think popular. it's still still the, the largest safety app uh, in, in the world. Um, and, and it had a range of services and, and, and it worked. Um, and, and we saw that, you know, there is an opportunity here. There is a need. Commercialization or making money of the app proved to be a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. But, but I moved to the States, to Silicon Valley, uh, with the technology company. Um, and I was also lucky to, I think that has been, you know, part of um, my journey or success is that I've, I've been invited into a lot of, it exclusive networks or sure. I've been given access in a lot of uh, to a lot of different networks and and one of one of these places was was founders a, a closed uh, technology founder uh, network and uh, while I was there it was in Dublin and in, in uh, I was living in Silicon Valley but I was in Dublin on one of these events and I got a call saying that you know we have this uh, this family uh, I didn't know what family it was during the previous call, I just knew it was a, a famous Hollywood family okay. uh, that wanted to, to be involved in, in Be Safe. Um, and then I got a call while I was in Dublin saying, <laughs> saying that, you know, can you be in, in L.A. in three days for lunch with the Smiths and Michelle Obama? Wow. Uh, <laughs> so so that, that's the <laughs> what a fastest call. I've ever changed a, a plane ticket. I can um, imagine. Yeah, and... Uh, I've heard afterwards that, that, you know, before they make an investment, before they, they get involved with someone, they normally put put the person through a test okay. to see how they handle, you know, some nerve-wracking situation. Okay. <laughs> so so that, that was my test. That was your test. <laughs> that was my test. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible, that that um, that application, because um, I read up and I heard that uh, Jada's daughter actually yeah. was the one that brought it to her attention. Yes. That really says a lot about yeah. how you know, the, the reach of, of such a device and yeah. how important that yeah. is in today's society. Yeah. It speaks volumes. So um, you spoke about Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And since we are on seven questions between seven mountains, mm-hmm. I uh, must ask, how does Bergen compare to a place like Silicon Valley? Do you feel inspired here? <laughs> I mean, Bergen and Silicon Valley is, is, is night and day. Yes, uh, absolutely is. <laughs> both in terms of weather and temperatures and climate. But right now, with the, with the fires and in California, yeah. uh, it's much better better to have the rain here. Yeah, it's um, a little safer. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a little safer. <laughs> and if, if, if you've never been to Silicon Valley, you, I, think, I think most people imagine Silicon Valley to be like more industrial. Okay. But, but it's, it's small villages. You know, I live really? in Palo Alto, uh, which is like the heart of Silicon Valley. That's where Stanford University is. That's where Facebook, Google, you know, all of these have their headquarters, either in Palo Alto or, you know, Mountain View, uh, connecting to, to Palo Alto. It's, it's a town of 50,000 people. Wow. It's tiny. Uh, but then you have the different towns, you know, next to each other. So you can't really feel how you're, you're moving from Palo Alto to Mountain View or, or back and forth. But it's... It's a small community with with uh, trees and and kids are biking and there's parks and barbecues and whatever else, but in every house, almost you have an entrepreneur or you have an yeah. investor and you have a long history of building new things, thinking new things, failing, succeeding, starting over again, cheering each other on. 
And that part I absolutely love about Silicon Valley, that that there's such a support system and that, you know, people are cheering you on when you succeed, but they're cheering you on when you fail as well. Um, when you live in Silicon Valley for some time, you also see that Silicon Valley has its downsides. Okay. Uh, you know, it's it's high stress. It's a lot of suicides. It's it's uh, you know it's um, it's not healthy. I would say for the older kids because the pressure is super high. Um, and that part I don't miss about Silicon Valley. But coming back to to Norway, I've, I've been back for for a few years now. It's definitely it's less stress. It's more work life balance. It's it's uh, you know it's beautiful nature here. It's uh, uh, seasons are, you know, it's seasons. <laughs> well, <laughs> good yes. and bad. <laughs> yes, that's true. They mix good a bit bad. here, but um, yeah, yeah. But but you know, I I like being I like being back. I like being home. Um, and and I think it was very crucial for my kids too. When when you have an eight year old who responds, you know, we were walking down in, in Palo Alto in Silicon Valley, and and he's super curious and nerdy yeah talks and reads and all of that stuff and and he keeps on talking and and uh and i tell him alvin promise me one thing promise me that you'll always stay this curious he's seven eight years old and he answers or he pauses because he thinks he reflects on this topic and then he responds but mom the most important thing in life is to get into a good college <laughs> Smart kid. <laughs> no, no, no. no but, but that's when you realize that this is not good. No. <laughs> this is not good. You should be thinking about very different things in good colleges. Absolutely. I think when yeah, I was eight, seven, eight. eight, I didn't even know that there was a difference between a good and a bad college. You know? So <laughs> so 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 I'm I'm very happy. I, I think it was important for the kids to 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 come back and, and to to have a more balanced view of life. Uh, but it was also amazing to be there. Um and how, how does Bergen Bergen compare, um, or how does Norway compare? Yeah, as a whole. Uh, yeah, as as a whole, I a lot has happened in the how to put it, entrepreneurial culture in Norway since I became an entrepreneur mm. or a tech entrepreneur, a business entrepreneur. So now I'm not talking the NGO entrepreneur of, of 14, but but the tech entrepreneur of uh, I don't know 27 or whatever I was, uh, and I was one of the first tech entrepreneurs of the new wave <coughs> of entrepreneurs in Norway at that time. Wow. Uh, the ecosystem was more or less non-existent, right? There, I was the first company in the incubator accelerator in Bergen. Uh, most of the ecosystem was not here. People didn't know the word entrepreneur. People told me to get a, a normal job, you know, or not a normal job, get a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, so... In that time span between, you know, 2006 when when I started uh, my, my tech journey to 2015, when I came back, a lot has happened. Um, and Norway has really scaled. The ecosystem has matured. Uh, that's both in, in, you know, Oslo and Bergen and, and, uh, and other places. Sure. Um, it's cool to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. It's cool to be an investor. Um, things are moving, um, but they're not moving. To, they're not moving fast enough. Um, Norway, um, I think. I think we, we we have some challenges, and and I think that has been one of one of the things that have been a 
a personal challenge for me to accept coming back to Bergen is how the ecosystem, instead of working together to build the biggest cake possible, mm -hmm. you know, if we want to build something big, let's bake this cake together. Yeah. Otherwise, we can each and every one of us can make small cakes and we can compete with each other, but we're never going to grow and, and do something massive if we don't work together. And that has to do both with, you know, the city, the local environment, and it has to do with, you know, nationally. And, and how do we actually foster the system where, where we don't see other initiatives as competition, but as something that is amazing f to scale the ecosystem? Absolutely. How can we support each other? How can we, as they say in Silicon Valley, in Silicon Valley pay it forward? Mm -hmm. um, and paying it forward doesn't necessarily mean paying it forward to the person who has supported you. You know, you give you give back to the people coming after you. You connect. Paying it forward comes with expectations that you that you do give back to to the society and it also or to other entrepreneurs or other other investors. And it also comes with um, an expectation that you treat, for example, introductions with respect, that you follow up. Um, and I think there is still a far way, or we're better, but we're not far enough along in Norway when it comes to this. Yeah. And on the investment side, um, <laughs> we're far behind. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, do, do you think this... Uh, this um ecosystem of collaboration that uh, yeah. that Silicon Valley has is that something that Norway can learn from do you think I, I hope so I mean I'll, let's not look to Silicon Valley let's look to Sweden for example okay. right I mean everyone wants to look to Silicon Valley and Silicon Valley has this ecosystem that is really working and has you know companies being built around this ecosystem um, I don't think we can ever become Silicon Valley Tons of places have tried to become Silicon Valley. We need to become something different. Exactly. Um, but in terms of culture, we're, we're culturally in Norway much closer to European countries. And, and Sweden has really managed to build, you know, this culture of both investment and entrepreneurship. Um, if, if, you, if you just sit down and think, you know, Sweden, I'm, I'm sure you can list tons of Swedish brands mm -hmm. that have made massive successes Absolutely. in all sorts of industries. Mm. You know, you have furniture, Ikea, you have clothing, H&M, you have technology, Sony Ericsson, and so on and so on and so on, right? Spotify, yeah. uh, Skype. Uh, you know, you have tons and, and tons of, of companies. Um, and Norway has been an amazing entrepreneur when it comes to oil and fish and gas. And that has built our fortune as a country. Um, now we need to, you know, build the new thing. Many people say build a new or find the new oil. Uh, I'm not sure if that's that's the right way of putting it, but but I think we there is so much money in this country, and we need to think long term in terms of how do we build the next industries that requires long term perspective. That requires um, willingness to invest heavily, and not just a million kroners or ten. We're talking like hundreds of millions into into new opportunities and new businesses. Yeah. I also think we have a a uh, 
a massive opportunity, you know, having a long coastal line. Yes. In the marine sector. Absolutely. In the energy sector, the green energy sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's our, I think, one of the things we need to own and be and be the Silicon Valley of marine ocean um, green technology. I think we have a massive opportunity there. Absolutely. I also think as a, as a country, um, we have a massive opportunity in terms of everything that is impact. You know, we're, we're seen as as good countries yeah. people trust us they they trust how we they trust our values our ethics and everything and, and bringing people here yeah. for impact investments for impact opportunities uh as a an opportunity i think we i mean th- there are initiatives in this field within norway but i think we have the ability to as a nation really escalate this absolutely i agree you know, you um, you have been honoured uh, as one of the greatest minds, um, <laughs> business minds of, yeah. of, the, of the Nordics. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the subject of, of Scandinavia's place in the world, mm-hmm. where do you see Scandinavia's part in the future of technology? I, I think this very much relates to what I was just saying, that yeah. that it's it's Norway, but it's also Sweden and Denmark. Uh, yes. we, have, we have a high standing internationally of, of um, as moral good you know solid countries and and to own the impact space to own the everything good <laughs> you know not, not the necessarily you know um consumer goods you know games and whatever else but but the the impact companies the impact driven companies yes uh, we have a massive opportunity there and i think you know many of these com- these type of companies are going to take years to build up it's it's not a a fast journey to success it's, it's a long investment to build to build impact driven companies but also think this you know companies working on climate issues companies working on green technology relates to climate to marines all of this mm. um this is this is the golden opportunity that we have um i also have a i have a high hope that the the Scandinavian countries can work more together on you know tying together the ecosystem so that we I mean we each one of the three countries are are uh, are small but together we're we're a decent size absolutely mm. yes as a wildly successful uh, entrepreneur um, who has your eye on everything uh, mm. are there any companies uh, coming out of Norway that particularly stand out on your radar. Mm. I try to keep a good track of of what's happening, uh, and also try to facilitate the meetings between um, how to put it, the game changers of Norway, the, sure. the companies that I think have the opportunity to succeed and and, and connect and support them in getting investment as as much as possible. And then, of course, there are certain companies that that you know steal your heart and steal your your time. Um, uh, and there, there are two companies right now uh, that I follow closely. Uh, one of them um, is a company called Desert Control uh, that has the technology to turn desert mm-hmm. sand yeah. uh, into green land and fertile land, uh, which is super interesting and much, much needed in the world. Absolutely, yes. Um, the other company um, 
as uh, as a company that I've spent a lot of time and more and more time working with because I I adore the founder and and, and the mission here and and the founder spent five four or five years himself self funding everything to develop a technology to build houses out of plastic trash. Wow, <laughs> which is you know it's it's super super interesting um, and there are. There's so much plastic waste around the world and so little is recycled. Um, and on the other hand, there is such a massive need for affordable housing, especially in the developing world. I think um, in Africa, except for, for, for Sahara, the need currently is 160 million units. Wow. And that's expected to grow to 360 million in, in, in just oh know, my God. a few decades. So it's, it's massive. And the third issue is that, you know, so you have the, the plastic trash issue and you have the the uh, need for affordable housing and you can also say refugee shelters and, you know, a lot of a lot of buildings that are safe and insulated and, and all of that, but that are cheap. Yeah. Um, and the third part is job creation. Absolutely. You know, if you're going to move people out of poverty, give them jobs so that they can actually afford to, to buy that house. Um, and this whole vision of the company Utalo mm -hmm. is to solve these three issues. You know, use the plastic to build a house. A house takes six tons of plastic. Okay. So 360 million houses is, is a lot of plastic. That's a lot. Um, and to produce the houses locally on ground with, with, uh, with local people and local raw materials. So I'm super, super... Uh, eager to follow and support the journey of, of this company moving forward. Absolutely. And I think we all will too. <laughs> I think we absolutely all will. So, yes. Yes. Fingers crossed, you know. Fingers crossed. How many, how many percent of, of companies succeed? It's, you know, it's, it's, it's less than 10. Yeah. So, so building a successful venture, you know, it takes guts. It takes some crazy founder absolutely. Who, who has a crazy dream and is stupid enough to say that, you know, let me go for this <laughs> instead of just, you know, <laughs> taking a job and making some money. Yeah. And who manages to engage people around him or her who are willing to, you know, do the same stuff and, yeah. and take the risk themselves. And who has the stamina to keep going when things are tough because things are going to be tough. And then you also need the, uh, the investment community and you need professional investors that can support and the ability to build networks and all of this. But, but it's, um, with this company, I've, I've high belief the United Nations is heavily involved and company has not raised any money yet. So, but, but now is, now is the start. Now is the start. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Celia, thank you so much for coming and joining us today. Thank you so Thanks much so for having much. me again. And we look forward to seeing what you have in store for the future. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. Thank you. We will be listening. <laughs> Good. And to everyone watching from home, Thank you so much for watching. Goodbye. See you on the next episode.